0: Before we start, here's a message from one of our friends.
1: I'm Ria. I'm Jack. I'm Tony. And we are the Pop Girlers.
0: Our mission? To review anything from pop culture.
1: Our credo? To do so in less time than it takes to listen to a song.
0: Our pledge? To strike when you least expect it. BAM! Welcome to the show where people share their passions. Everyone is geek about something. I am your super dummy Paul on a mission to learn from people's experiences. This is Era of Geek. Today's guest currently has a Kickstarter running for Shakespeare Unleashed, an anthology of stories, sonnets, and comics looking at Shakespeare's work from a new horror perspective. But why don't we hear more from the brains behind the operation?
1: My name is James Aquilon, I'm an editor and writer. I'm probably best known for the last three uh, Kickstarters I've done. Um, The first was for uh, an anthology called Classic Monsters Unleashed, which was a a horror anthology that dealt with uh, Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, and all that. Then I did a uh, graphic novel anthology uh, based on Kolchak the Night Stalker. And now I'm doing uh, Shakespeare Unleashed, which is horror stories based on uh, shakespeare's uh, plays and characters i've got the
0: kickstarter page up in front of me that you've kind of mixed the sort of mediums here haven't you so you've got stories you've got sonnets and you've got comic book as well
1: <laughs> yeah we have a separate comic book um which was, yeah kind of crazy because then you know these these projects get bigger and bigger and it's like oh what else can we do uh and since the other ones were, were uh, successful, so I was like, we felt like we, we, we could get away with this. <laughs> so the original idea was we were gonna just put an eight page comic within the, the regular anthology. And, uh, but when I went to the printer to see how much that would cost, it actually cost about the same to print a separate book. And if I did a separate book, I'd be able to, um, to do more stories. Um, So I figured I want to just do a a separate book and we do it like manga size. So it'll be, it'll be a little cheaper and be, be cool. Like a little paperback. Um, I think like, I think it's five by seven and a half inches. So I thought, Oh, that'd be cool. And I would, I know I love doing comics. So I thought let's just do a separate book. And, and then that kind of grew and grew. And then we have, uh, David Avellone is doing a story, He did a story. And we have Helena Masalis. Uh She did the offer history, and I got J.K. Woodward, who did, worked on my uh, Kolcheck, uh book. He did the offer one of my stories, and we have Zach Atkinson doing another story with me. So, and hopefully, if it's really successful, this Kickstarter will 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 add more stories.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, at the time of recording, it's it's only been live for a day or two,
1: hasn't it? I think we just we just passed forty eight hours.
0: Right. And so, yeah, you've, from what I can see, you've tripled your goal, your initial goal already. I mean, that's amazing. That that must feel so good.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, <laughs> uh, especially in the first few hours when you keep refreshing the page and, and you know, you see the, you know, the total go up, up each time. But then you kind of get used to that because then, then uh, you know, in the middle of the campaign, you keep refreshing and, and it's, it's not moving. But in the beginning, it's, it's it's really cool. It's like a slot machine that's going off you know, it just keeps paying and paying. Uh, when we did cold check, uh, that was bonkers because we we made one hundred and twelve thousand dollars for that one, and on day one we made thirty thousand. So the first few hours, it was just insane. It was like, wow! I, I refreshed the page and like we're up by a thousand. So that that was like, oh, I don't know if this is gonna keep happening, but uh, I'm pretty happy uh, so far with the. Uh, with a total for Shakespeare. I mean, it's a little harder. That's why also why we added the comic book because it's a little tougher sell. If it's just prose, people get a little more excited with comic books.
0: It's interesting you say that because usually you would say that the comic books were would be the harder sell for a lot of people. Have you, have you actually found that it might be the other way around?
1: Yeah, I mean, not on, on Kickstarter. Uh, I think... Uh, the comic books do much better than the the prose uh, books, but prose anthologies usually don't do that well. So that's why uh, a lot of people do go to Kickstarter. Um, you know, people really actually prefer. You think now nowadays people have much short attention span, so they would be more interested in short stories. But people really want like big novels, like like a you know George R R Martin. Novel. They want like a big 500 page book, and they want series. So short stories don't do as well, and and um you know these. So these short story anthologies don't don't really. They never, you know, made a lot of money. So it was unusual that Classic Monsters made uh, 57 thousand. Uh, that ended up being like the the highest funded horror anthology and prose uh, on Kickstarter. So I've seen the the compo's have done really well. I mean. There are some comic book uh, creators on Kickstarter that, that make in the hundreds of thousands every time they put out a, a project. So I think, I don't know, I, I, I think maybe comic book um, fans are more willing to st- to also spend money. They also are really in like, the art, so they'll pick up all those rewards. So, you know, I think a lot of people who read the short stories can get the short stories for free online. So I don't think they're as used to uh, spending money for short stories. Comic book, fans, they they're usually collectors. Hmm. So that's why you have all like the variant uh covers. So they'll buy, you know, 10 copies of the same uh, issue where uh, you know, people who just read prose, they don't they don't really care about the book most most of the time. They'll even dog ear the pages and stuff. And I'm, which drives me crazy and break the spine. So just, they they don't really care as much about the book as a thing where comic book you know, fans are a little uh, crazy about, uh, you know, keeping and preserving the comics. Well, comics are actually, you know, they're worth money. Where you know, most most novels and, and, and anthologies aren't.
0: So how did the the whole project start? Where did the idea uh, initially come from? How did it kick off?
1: Well, after we did Classic Monsters or we're really in the, in the middle of Classic Monsters and it did so well, we were saying, well, why don't we do a, a series? And I hadn't even thought about doing a series really at that point. So I had to think of what would we do? and um, you know what what would be like the 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 gimmick basically? Um, so I figured, you know since we did classic monsters, why don't we just kind of keep going in like uh, that kind of like um, you know different takes on different like universes, like different literary universes. and And you know everyone's done uh, like a Lovecraft anthology and uh, fairy tales. So I wanted to do something different. I had been thinking about uh, Shakespeare doing different stories, like, in that world. So, uh, so let's do Shakespeare. It would be, like, pretty awesome to do, like, uh, horror stories based on Shakespeare. And Shakespeare really lends itself well, uh, I think, to horror. But even the ones that don't, that's also cool when you, you have a story that has nothing to do with horror and you, you turn it into a, a horror story. And, of course, with all these, the, these books, too, it's like you, they need to be in the public domain. So, uh, Shakespeare in the public domain, <laughs> we can do we want, you know, so yeah, we can't do like Marvel and we can't, no, actually Winnie the Pooh just, uh, came, um, to the public domain this year, the first book. So you, you, you... and someone did it, someone did, a uh, uh, Winnie the Pooh, like uh, meets Cthulhu and, uh, it's doing really well. So I was like, oh man, I, I, maybe I should have done Winnie the Pooh Unleashed or something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that the next project then, Winnie the Pooh in your nightmare Maybe. Games. I mean,
1: I don't know what to do with the next one. So I'm thinking, like I said, I don't I, – I, I mean, I don't hate Lovecraft, but I'm not, like, the biggest fan, and, and it's been done so many times. And everyone's been asking, like, when are you going to do Lovecraft Unleashed? Uh, and I think there probably hasn't even been a book called Lovecraft Unleashed. So I'm thinking that there. I think maybe 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 Edgar Alan Poe uh, or something like that. Or if I can find something, you know, like Shakespeare, like that no one thought of, I'd like to do that. Yeah, because I think
0: the the idea of this is, I think part of the reason it also speaks to someone is because it's stories they know, characters they know, but in a completely different way. And I think that's the kind of thing that people need. It's like familiar but fresh.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, does it, it, it can't be too obscure because then, you know, we're not going to make any money on the Kickstarter. And if it's well-known, it has to then be available. So it has to be in the public domain. Um, and then you don't want it to be something that's already been done. I mean I mean, there's been um, a ton of like um, different takes on like the Wizard of Oz. I wouldn't want to do that either. like I said I mean, eventually we'll probably get to like Wizard of Oz and Third Tales, maybe when it's like the Unleashed Book 10 or something. But I'd like to do I, I, that's why I really like Shakespeare because like, oh no one, I don't I don't think anyone's really ever done that before. And then when people heard it like oh yeah, okay. sorry. That that sounds cool. So if I can get another idea like <laughs> that, but yeah, if anyone has any ideas, you know, send that to me.
0: Because yeah, you've got um, off the back of your your previous successes, I noticed you've started um, monstrous books. I noticed that you've got you've actually got a submissions page, so you're you're open to people, sort of if they think they've got something, you're open to them sort of sending it across.
1: Yeah, well, well, Shakespeare, we're going to open to submissions next month. So, you can submit short stories and science to that. Uh, and then after this campaign, uh, I'm hoping to uh, start publishing other people's novels and, and comic books and do uh, other anthologies that, you know, not in this uh, series. So, make it like, you know, a legitimate uh, publishing company. I mean, it made sense since the Kickstarters that I was doing were so uh, successful. And uh, you know, I was working with other publishers and, you know, so I was like, you know what? I'm doing most of the work. All, all, it's okay, it's all of the work. So I might as well have control of it. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, I think we could do some really cool stuff and I really want to get into uh, comic books more. So I, I think next year I might do two different graphic novels. So uh, and I might put them on, on Kickstarter too. So hopefully, uh, you know, this does really well and then uh, we can make Montice Books, a, a, you know, a real thing. Because you know it's tough, uh, you know, to be an indie publisher. And you're know, always seeing like um, these indie publishers they got they fold after a couple of years. So it's always good to have like another you know, publisher come in there and kind of like you know fill fill the gap. And I think you know Kickstarter is great, so to, to raise money. And uh, I think that's a really viable way to maybe you know uh, you know keep your publishing company going. It's so to me it's so it's so scary to like just spend the money and then just throw it on like Amazon. And then hope that uh, you get, you know, your money back. Because these books are expensive, you know. So, I mean, you you would have to sell thousands and thousands of copies uh, just on Amazon. And Amazon's taking a huge cut. Uh, and then, you know, you're you're up against so many other books on, on on Amazon, say. And you can only sell the book. You know, on Kickstarter, I can sell the book. I can sell the, the artwork. I can even have, like... Uh, like one of the packages we have, like John Palisano will 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 like edit one of your stories, and then we can we can sell something like that. So there's so many other things you can do through Kickstarter that I can't do if I just sold the book through uh, Amazon or Barnes and Noble or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. People, I think especially these days, people like to feel like they're involved in a process somehow. Mm-hmm. Like they've got some sort of stake in it, rather than as you say, you're just clicking a button on Amazon.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because with the whole idea really behind Kickstarter is that the backers are, you know, bringing that product to life, and and also like they're making it bigger and bigger. So, you know, as the as the um, as the campaign, you know, gets bigger, then we can add more stuff. We can add more stories. We can maybe uh, add things to the book. I, I mean, I might. I, I don't know if it give away search stretch goals because, but I was thinking of maybe like putting in like the. Um, you know the uh, the ribbon uh, bookmark into the book. If we make enough money, um, you can also have like the pa- the edges of the pages. Like maybe like make make them gold or something or silver. Although that's very expensive. I, I found out. <laughs> I think it adds like three dollars per book. Oh wow! To the printing cost. So I thought, oh, I didn't think that would be um, that expensive, but that would be cool to do. <laughs> yeah. So right now all, the we were only we we're only offering a hardcover. So that that actually that will actually bring the printing cost down because before I split it, with paperback and hardcover. So then, if let's say we sell a thousand books, then I had split it to get 500 paperbacks, 500 hardcovers. But if I just get a thousand, you know, the more books you you print, then the, the cheaper becomes per book. So it actually makes most and most everybody. I was really surprised when we did test months because almost everybody wanted wanted the hardcover. And at first, I wasn't even going to offer a, a hardcover, or we were going to do it in a very limited amount. And at the last minute, we said, "All right, let's do 500 hardcovers." And I was, gonna, <laughs> I was originally going to do 50, and then it turned out we we sold out the 500. And uh, thank God, you know. So I, that that you know, those little decisions like that that can really make you a break you.
0: Yeah, but it shows that you're listening to like what people want as well. You're not just like this is what you are getting. Put up with it. <laughs> you actually listening yeah. to the
1: feedback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, and you don't know because you would think uh you know, hardcovers, you know, they're more expensive and um, everyone wants ebooks, but not but you know, it's a different thing on um, on Kickstarter. They're they're more um collectors and they they want um you know physical rewards. So they actually would, would rather have a hardcover than a paperback and they'd rather have a print book than, than an ebook. So they want something special. They want something they can hold in the hand. They 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 want something that like where they have their name in the back of it. They want something that you know they can feel like like I helped bring this to life. And that that's that's what's really cool about um, crowdfunding.
0: Yeah, I mean the product that you've got it just by what you've already posted online, it looks amazing. So I urge everyone to go and have a look. So I'm I'm curious because you've you've put yourself you are the the editor. You've also writing some of it as well. I wanted. I wondered if you could give sort of people an idea of what it actually means to you to be an editor of this product, because I think people's impressions are an editor just sits and, you know, does some spell checking and then sends it back.
1: Yeah, it.
0: So I was wondering if you could sort of go through <laughs> that
1: i think that's the the problem with the the title is is editor so a lot of people think oh so you just wait to get the stories and then you edit stories like you know you 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 fix the spelling and um and that's all you do and uh i'm always like no no uh it is so much work because you're you're really more like a like a like a movie producer but for like a book because you're you're putting the whole thing together or it's like you're more like a project manager on, on you know the one hand uh i mean i would say like everything that goes into putting the book together you're doing and, and it's all on you including uh well especially now i'm uh, also the publisher it's, it's also the money raising the money paying everybody uh like, over the last year all i've been doing is just been paying writers you know get the kickstart of money and then it goes right back out and i'm sending everybody um money so i mean an editor uh Basically, you know, you come up with the, the the idea for the theme, then you you start finding people uh, who you want to uh, write the stories and and the artist who you want uh, to do the cover, Then um, you start working on the cover with with the artist. Uh, you you get you hire the designer, so you hire everybody. Then you start working on uh, if it's a Kickstarter, you start putting together the the page. You you know, I hired a, a publicist. Uh, then we start working on the marketing. Uh, then you just once you have all that stuff in place and then you just are promoting and promoting like crazy. Uh, And then when the campaign's over, then you start putting the book together. So then you're getting uh, the stories in and then you're, you're, then you're editing it. That's like the last thing you do. And then you're coordinating with the designer, putting the print book together. Then you're dealing with the printers. And then, then the worst part is that when you get the books, you got to ship them out too. And that's a crazy, horrible experience. Uh, Cause then you go into the post office like every day. I just finished that with classic monsters a, a couple of months ago. It took me two months to, to send everything out. Um, I even, I try to help myself. I had the printers, the printer, they sent the books directly to about like 600 of the backers, but just the book. So I had, I had to still handle all the other rewards and, and um and like like maybe four hundred other books, and it took me. It was me and my wife, uh, just doing it, and it took about six weeks or eight weeks to do. And I was I was at the post office almost every day, and uh, postal. That's the thing, like with, with um, and then England, you guys with VAT and all that. And I was like, oh no, I, I didn't realize that because you th- the law changed in July, right after my Kickstarter. I said you have to have a VAT number. And you have to be like licensed and stuff to just, you know, send anything to the UK and then the postal, uh, you know, costs are really high, mm. but then you also have to do that. But then uh, after trying to figure out all of those laws and everything, I found out that books have zero VAT. Yeah. So I can, send, I can send the book uh, to, to England without having VAT, but then the other rewards are a problem. Because then they wanted, and I think that's something like 20% yeah. or something. So, yeah, the whole, I you know, when, when Brexit was happening, I was like, I didn't think that would affect me. And now, uh, now I'm doing things that I was like, oh, man, why why did you guys do that? <laughs> so there are stuff. Um, in fact, I just got a, a message from somebody from the UK. It says, says, um, I don't care what I have to spend. You, you have to make this stuff available to me. Because some of the stuff I, I don't have available. Because like a poster, a poster would, even though it's like in a little tube, it could cost like forty dollars to send, and I don't even—I don't even know what to do with the VAT because that's not a book. So I don't—I don't know uh, how I would even send that, you know. So I, I might—you know—I don't even know if I should try because even if you try, and it's like forty dollars, they'll send it right back. And now you're out that money, and then the person still wants their their uh, their reward. So I don't even know what to do with 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 England, and then even like the rest of the, the Europe, they 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 have VAT too, and every every country has kind of different law on the shipping so it's a whole process so editors is like really not a great title i don't know (laughs) 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 and i'm always explaining that to like my family it's like oh you're just an editor you just oh, you know why are you still working on this it's like no i'm work even like with Fest months when i was just doing i was still working on it every day for like a year a year and a half
0: Mm. it's a real it's a real labor of love for you then
1: yeah. You have to really, really love this. And I've, you know, I've always been obsessed with books. So, you know, I, I really love doing it. I don't like the shipping part, but uh, I have to do that. But yeah, I love books. And so that was basically my idea. I was like getting in it. it was, like, you know, I've always, I've always loved books. I've always been obsessed with books. I have books all around me. And uh, I have books in every room. I even have books in my car, you know? uh so i said you know if i just dedicate my life to this because i know once i get started with this i'm going to make like really awesome books so and, and it should be successful and then you know so when i do the book it's like i don't right, i don't i don't do it in a cheap way I, I spend the money i make sure it's a really awesome book and i'd rather lose money and have a really cool looking book than have like, a a cheap looking book so it's not it's not like the best business model but 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 the, but the back is it.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, it's, in one way, it's not the best business model, but in the other way, it, as long as people see it, they can immediately recognize the quality. And so they are more likely to back it because like you said, one of the first things you do is you get people on board and you start paying them. And even on the submissions page on monstrous books, you list right there that if you submit something and it goes in, you're going to get paid a certain amount. And I think it's, people underestimate the power of just being able to say to people who do high quality writing and art, you're going to get paid.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you have to pay well. And, and if you do pay well, you'll, you'll get like, you know, the biggest names, uh, you know, we've got like Joe Lansdale and like Jonathan Mayberry. We had Kim Newman. Uh, he, he wrote the uh, introduction to uh, classic monsters and he did a story in the, in the Kulshake book. So as long as you're willing to pay, uh, and it's a cool project because I mean, they they you know uh, I, even though it's a lot it, you know I'm it seems like a lot of money for me, you know it's still for them it's not too much money it's like maybe a couple hundred bucks. Um, it still has to be cool to them, so so they go oh, okay, the, the money's okay, and uh, it's a really cool project. Um, they'll they'll come on board, and uh, so that's been really awesome to like to get to work with all of these these people. I think I you know be working with like Jonathan Mayberry and Kim Newman and Joe Lansdale uh, with the comic book we worked with um, like Jerry Ordway and uh, Rodney Barnes and and it's like you know it's just kind of crazy like when you when they like send them in their stories and it's like they're they're expecting you to like give you know your opinion and and edit the notes and stuff so uh, luckily it's all worked out though and the Coltrade book looks amazing. I'm, I'm almost done with that. So that that should come out in, in October. Mm-hmm. I'm working with like a lot of great artists. So, uh, you know, they're really doing the. Work. And that's the other funny thing. It's like, yeah, it's a lot of work on my part, but the final product really, you know, I'm not technically creating stuff. So I, I just get, you know, great artists and they, you know, they do like a great cover. Um, then I get a great designer and then I get like uh, great writers. Uh, and then, you know, it's, it's really their their work. And uh, so it's that's cool too when you get the work and you get the art and uh, and it works out um, and they you know they they see your vision and they get it and uh, you know sometimes it doesn't work out and you, you kind of but most of the time it uh, it has so um, that's a really cool part of of the, the job too is like getting to work with these people getting to see the the stories you know I get I get to be the first person to read the stories so and get the work. <laughs> so and then I have to hold on to it like you know sometimes for months before I can get to to show anybody. so yeah, I mean it, it's a, it's a fun thing it's a lot of work but and and it's also um it helps if, if it is successful because it, this would be real grinds if uh we weren't getting any of the support and you're like, oh, I have this really cool idea, I have this really cool project and um no one's interested that's like that would be the worst. So people are interested, so we're we're getting to do it so that that's what's really great.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, as I say, the reception already has been amazing at time of recording. And hopefully by the time this comes out, you would have smashed even more stretch goals and you'll be, I don't know, sitting there with a giant smile on your face.
1: <laughs> yeah. I haven't even thought of uh, any more. Oh, well, the first stretch goals is, is, is done. Um, uh, I kind of wing it sometimes, uh, I haven't really, you know, uh, nailed down where all the stretch goals are, are gonna be. I mean, that also is kind of like fun for me too—the to kind of wing it and kind of like make it up as a goal. I go. You don't want to plan everything out, and it, I mean, it's a little anxious to, to be like the last. thing. I mean, with this campaign, um, you know, I was putting to get the page together just like, like you know, just a few hours before we were about to launch. And then, I think, and then Kickstarter went down. I was, I was, I was supposed to launch at ten o'clock in the morning. And I'm working like that night and uh, like three o'clock in the morning, the, the, the site went down. I went, Oh, well, uh, this is, this is that's the problem. with hold things to the last minute. But then it came back like an hour or two later and uh, I was able to finish it. But, uh, but it is, it's like, it's almost like a sport doing Kickstarter, you know, because, you know, you got to raise that money and you could fail. And uh, so there is some of that anxiety of, you know, am I going to lose all this money? Cause you got to put, you still have to put the money in before the campaign, some of it, anyway. And if you, you know, if, if it totally failed and then, then not only the money you lose, but then, um, you know, all of the contributors and, and um, even the, the people who did back, you know, then you have to tell them, oh, it's not going to happen. So that that would be horrible. So that's my, my thinking more along the lines with the Kickstarter is like, no, we're, we're, it's going to happen. So I, I don't, I'm not really worried about the funding goal. It's going to happen. And um, you know, the Kickstarter to me is just like the beginning of like the like the journey for the book. You know, because then you're gonna sell it after after the Kickstarter. You're gonna go to conventions and sell it. You're gonna sell it on Amazon. So even if you made back you know half of your money, that that's fine. You know, this is just pre-orders. So you don't. I don't I, so I'm, I don't get too anxious about it. That was also another reason why I started my own publishing company, because then I could control it, and then I don't have to worry about raising all the money. Through the Kickstarter because then I know like I control it and then I can uh, you know sell it for, for another 20 30 years or whatever and, and, and until I die and I'll make the money back eventually even if I didn't make all the money back through Kickstarter so so people who, who launch Kickstarter campaigns don't have to really worry about that you know don't worry about like making all of the money through the Kickstarter any, any money you make through Kickstarter or any crowdfunding platform is great that's, that's before the book is even made. Fine. Take that money. And then, you know, you try to get your money back, you know, the old way uh, when mm. you, when you're into bookstores.
0: Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people kind of with Kickstarter, they, they have a great idea, but then they, I don't know, they try and go for the, the next level, which I completely understand. You've got an amazing product. You want to do this, this, and this, but, obviously with Kickstarter, if you don't get all the money, you don't get any of it. So it is, I guess the way you made it sound, like you've kind of made a calculated decision. You're confident of the product, but at the same time, you know that you don't need it now, now,
1: now. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you have a great book, uh, then, you know, you know, you say like, Oh, this is not going to make money. It will. So you don't have to, like, yeah, I mean, I could have done a goal of, like, 20,000, 30,000, which I've seen other people do, and then they really struggle to get there. or a lot of people, when um, their campaigns always reach, like, you know, get to the end in, like, the last two or three days, or even if something on the last day, then they reach their goal. And it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't handle the stress of that. I couldn't go through 30 days, always like, oh, we're, like, only, you know, 5% towards our goal today. And so that, I would think that would be very stressful uh, to do if you're always, you know, reaching your goal at the end. Um, so, and then you never know, well, you know, what's going to happen, you know, it, like the last two or three days, uh, you know, there could be like a, a walk or breakouts. I mean, no one's paying attention to your Kickstarter and then you're done. So I'd rather get it out of the way as soon as possible. I mean, obviously the book's not going to cost $5,000 to produce. So I I just create like, you know, a a smaller, uh, more manageable goal to get through it. And then the, you know, everyone's like, okay, no, we know the campaign, the the book's going to happen. And also I think everyone else relaxes. And I think it also works better through Kickstarter because now you funded. So, you know, they're going to get their money too. You know, I I don't know. I I mean, I don't know how it works, the algorithm, but I, I would think that maybe if you haven't, you know, funded if it's like like you're like 28 days through your campaign. That's they're probably not going to promote it because there's a chance that they just wasted their time. You know, you just went through like like four weeks um you know pushing and pushing for this campaign. And then if it fails, like no one gets anything. Kickstarter doesn't get money. You don't get any money. So you, I think you're best off to try to figure out a way of getting your campaign to fund as soon as possible.
0: Yeah, because ultimately they're a business as well. So they've got their own interests at heart.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they've been really cool with me they, they they've made, you know, they've they promoted me um, through Kickstarter and, um, you know, made me a project they love. And then I've been on the front page. Uh, so that helps. I mean, normally you get um, half of your back is just through Kickstarter itself. So if Kickstarter is working, you know, with you or least, you know, they're promoting you too, then uh, they're doing like half the work, at least in terms of getting you getting you backers. So there are a lot of people who are like super backers who um who are just hanging out on, on Kickstarter and this backing stuff. So they they you know, those are people who are not you're not gonna maybe reach through your social media or through the podcast and blogs. They're just like the, the Kickstarter people. <laughs> and yeah, they are super backers who back thousands of projects. So uh they 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 I mean maybe they I think they get addicted because there's there have been times that I've had people like like cancel. Their pledge, and I'm like, and, and sometimes I'll write to them, and I'm like, you know, just to see, like, like, why did you cancel? Like, they worry. I always go, I back way too many Kickstarter's this month, and you know, my wife is yelling at me. <laughs> so then, then they'll they'll cancel. So yeah, so, but those those people are great because um, you know, they say they really help the the campaigns, and and you don't want to have to bring everybody, you know, to the campaign yourself. Because you know you you, have, you you have limited reach, so it, and that's why I like Kickstarter because Kickstarter does have a lot of uh you know like super backers and and, and fans who who back your thing and they'll say oh this is, this is cool and and they'll back it. And then I've had people who will, will just give you extra money. Who's going like I believe in your project. But I did my first Kickstarter in two thousand sixteen for my first novel. Um, the first backer who I didn't know, um, and I had no following or anything. He gave me like fifty dollars it was like a twenty dollar uh reward and and i even i even messaged him but like there was maybe a mistake i says why do you give me all this money he goes because i think you're like undervaluing the book and i believe in it and um so here's here's you know i gave you double the money and i was like oh I, then i was like i guess that's what i was in with Kickstarter. i was like wow Kickstarter is great because you can't you're not you're not going to get that on app you're not going to get that on amazon they're not going to pay you extra money so and that person has backed all of my uh, projects and after that. so you, you, you get a, like a, a good following too from, from Kickstarter.
0: Yeah, I mean that must feel amazing to know that someone's that invested in your product, even before it's even come out.
1: Yeah, that's true. yeah, that, that's like a, a leap of faith, you know especially you know doing your first Kickstarter because you know they don't know if, if you'll have a you know a, a lot of people that, that's their criticism of Kickstarter. they'll say, oh it's a scam or something. Which is kind of crazy because uh, there's so many um, huge projects that have come out of uh, Kickstarter, and uh, I, I, there's always going to be like that one project that like, that did scam people or didn't you know come through, but just, just as, like that's one out of like thousands and thousands. Um, and you look at you, you know Brandon Sanderson who did his Kickstarter, his last year and it was forty million dollars. So. Um, they're legitimate, and I've I've always uh, sent uh, you know uh, backers uh, their rewards, and they usually get more than you know they paid for. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't understand that. But there are there are the people who are, are very critical of, of Kickstarter too, which I, I don't understand. Uh, I think it's great, and I think um, you know it's 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 it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, you have a product, people buy it, and then you send it to them. That's it. It's, it's, it's just, the really only thing is that there's more of a delay than say if you buy something on Amazon, you get that instant gratification. You get, you know, if you have, if you have if you're a prime member, you get the book like the next day. But Kickstarter, you have to wait. You have to wait sometimes a few months. You might have to even wait like a year. But those people who are willing to, to do that, that's a, that's pretty awesome. You know, if you you're spending some of these people spend a lot of money and they're not gonna get. Uh, those rewards right away they they have to wait you know like i said months to a year but they also get to see the process like so you, you're constantly uh updating so okay we 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 uh, we got some stories in or we got some art in and check that out so i think the people who um back on kicks i really like to see like the process and 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 see like you know like they get to see like the behind the scenes and like the making of and they and and they they're part of it
0: I mean, Kickstarter is such a big part of the culture now. So I I appreciate you sort of sharing your insight. And I think there'll be people out there who are looking at, you know, should I do my own project? So this would be great information for them to sort of, you know, to understand what it is that they're getting themselves in for. So I appreciate your insight.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say if you start just you know, just start small. You know, you don't have to go out and spend a ton of money on on a project or or, or need to raise like you know 10 ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. I mean, one way to do it is you, you you start small. Let's say if you're doing an anthology, just do a like maybe it's just say promise ten stories, and then if you make more money, then you can add a couple of stories, and add and add and add, and maybe end up with like thirty. But if you start small, like like maybe like like maybe a book that will cost you like five thousand, and uh, and then have the campaign or the backers help you to you know. Grow it, and that way you, you kind of minimize um, you know any risk, and um, you you basically need to find you know some some writers you know who are willing to to come on board, and maybe a cover, and and you can do a campaign for an anthology, you can just maybe spend like a, a few hundred dollars, and that's it, and then uh, you know don't, don't don't don't, you know don't 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 make a goal too high that you you can't reach, um. I've seen some people do that where they they set the goal like maybe like ten thousand dollars and they didn't even have a cover and they didn't put too much money into it and then they were just hoping and 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 they didn't get there. So if you if you, your goal is more of like 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 two thousand three thousand, um, like I said, you don't have to make all of the money through Kickstarter. You know, if it's a cool book, you'll you'll make that money up. And look, it, it is still a business. You you, you can lose the money, And so you kind of you know. I think a lot of people look at Kickstarter because that was the you know, the idea behind Kickstarter is like it, it either minimizes a risk or there's no risk because you know you're gonna get all the money before you you know the the book comes out so a lot of people say well i'm not gonna put any money into it i want to make all the money here on kickstarter and a profit and then i'll start working on it and now there's just way too much competition on kickstarter so you have to kind of work a little harder uh than that because i don't think people are going to really back too many projects but they like they don't know too much about it and I've seen people do that. I've seen people like, try to put out these very ambitious kickstarts. Like, I want $100,000, and this is going to be a franchise, and it's going to have action figures, and it's going to be a comic book. And that's a little crazy. Uh, but if, if, you, if you're realistic about it, you could do it.
0: So I was wondering if we could learn a bit more about, about you then um, in the time that we've got left. So, do, where did geek culture start for you? Do you remember sort of your earliest exposure to geek culture?
1: whenever i talk about this then i feel really old because then i get into (laughs) the last century Uh, (laughs) well i'm the you know i'm like the star wars generation so i was like uh, four years old when that came out so uh it was like right there uh, i was right there at the beginning uh you know before star wars uh you know that geek culture was pretty obscure and it was hard to find and it wasn't mainstream and that was like the beginning of it so i i i think uh I might not even actually been four years old when, when Star Wars came out. Uh, no, I wasn't. I was, like, actually three, uh, but I don't know when I actually saw it because my, my, my mother said she went to see it uh, and they thought it was really awesome and they are like, oh, we've got to take, you know, James to go and see this. And uh, but I was, so I might have turned four by that. So, like, that was probably my first... I wouldn't say it was my first, but, you know, being a kid in the 70s, you know, um, Saturday morning cartoons and stuff, and I, like I, said, I was always obsessed with books, so it was like, comics uh at that time but then it was star wars and then the year after that it was superman the movie and i was really obsessed with that and it was the batman tv series with adam west uh as a kid in fact i was that was like the first superhero i was really into was 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 batman from the from the adam west show and uh then i remember uh the trailer started coming out for superman the movie and I was like, "Oh, Superman! I'm all about Superman now. And I, oh, I hate Batman." And I would, I would, whenever I would go and take a like a, a bath, I would, when I had hair, I would take my hair and I make it into that little, you know, the little squiggle on my head, and I, you know, the towel and my cape. So I was obsessed with, with with Superman. And that that I distinctly remember going to the movies to see Superman the movie, and I remember sitting there watching the credits, and. And at least when I was, at, you know, five years old, that seemed like the, the longest, like, opening credits scene uh, sequence ever. And I was like, Mario Puzo, you know, uh, Christopher Reeves. And I'm like, stop this. And I was just, like, freaking out. I remember in my seat, like, stop this movie. What's, what's going on? And it seemed like it took forever for that movie to start. And, you know, that's still my favorite movie, my favorite superhero movie. It's still, still the greatest superhero movie. I don't care what anybody says. I don't, I don't know. I can say, like... Uh, the Avengers was was the great, I mean, come on. I mean, that, the first two Superman movies, um, easily the best superhero movies of, of all time. And it was made, you know, was the, the first one anyway, it was made in the 70s and when we was like, you know, we had the greatest movies made and it was still made like those 70s movies. You know, there's like a lot of great dialogue, and a lot of great characters that you don't really get now. Now you get like the CGI and you don't get really these dialogue scenes. You know, uh, you get like maybe some kind of funny banter, but you can't really beat like the uh, the the play between Lois Lane and, and Clark Kent that you got in in the original Superman. You just don't you don't know, you know I don't don't see like writing like that today. And I was like, Margaret Kid was it's just such was, was so awesome in in that. You know, you know she was just so she wasn't like the typical like 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 female character in uh, in a superhero movie. She was very like um, she was she was more like 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 a dude. She was like she would chain smoke and 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 drink coffee. I love that. She, like she she couldn't spell and she was always asking you know how to spell stuff and, and stuff like that. So so I, yeah. So that's really what started for me. And then and then it was Flash Gordon like 1980. That like, I think that kind of influenced me more than anything else. That was like I want to go and do like like science fiction stuff. Because every time that was on TV and was on a lot in the 80s, I watched it. And I usually don't watch movies like more than once, but but Flash Gordon I would watch every single time, and that with you know the music with Queen it was just that would just like blew my mind Flash Gordon, and and th- I didn't realize either like years later people was like saying oh that was considered like a bad movie I was like that was considered a bad movie Flash Gordon <laughs> it was and, and, and it was a bomb right, and then the same really with with Highlander then with Highlander I was like oh I, I didn't realize that that. It didn't do well at all, and it was not critically acclaimed, and it was uh, not financially uh, uh, success. But again, the music with Queen, I mean, that that makes any movie. And okay. uh, so those, those, yeah, those are some of my favorite movies.
0: Is, does that sort of reflect as well? Because you said you're a massive book reader; you've got books everywhere. Does that reflect in the sort of books that you read as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I mean, lately, yeah, I probably well, well, now, yeah, I mean, I'm probably just read a lot of. Um, spec fiction fiction uh actually i'm reading a lot of uh westerns now because i'm trying to write a weird western but you know when i was starting to do the shakespeare I, I was thinking back of you know when i was a teen and you know in the beginning i only read i from probably like when i could, could read to like my early teens uh i only read comic books uh like mad magazine and choose your own adventure books that was it then, like, when I was later in my um, later teens, I became, like, a really big, like, like literary snob because I wanted to be a writer. But I, I thought, like, to be a great writer, I have to read the great, you know, like, like classics and literature. And, and I wasn't necessarily thinking of being, like, a science fiction writer or a fantasy writer or horror writer. Uh, so I thought I have to be as smart as, like, James Joyce or like Ernest Hemingway, you know? I have to be as good as these guys if I wanna be a writer. So I only read uh, those books. I only read like, um, I would read uh, John Paul Sartre. I would read Dostoevsky. Uh, I would read uh, Mark Twain. That was like to me slumming uh, was Mark Twain's <laughs> shit. yeah. Uh, then when I went to college, I, I was uh, a philosophy ma- major. It was, it was half major, I was, was journalism and philosophy. So uh, that's all I read until uh, my early twenties, and uh, and it didn't help me, I don't think, as a writer, because I would try to read something like Dostoevsky, and try to figure out how to write a plot, and I couldn't figure it out. I was like, this this, this doesn't make sense to me, because like because they, they didn't write with plots, you know, things just happened, and it was just like you know a mishmash of uh, events, and it was really stories best based on theme. And my wife, who they, you know, met in college. She only read Stephen King and all the the, the horror writers like like Dean Coons, John Saul, um, BC Andrews. So I, I, I started getting then into Stephen King, and then when I read like I read Carrie, and I was like, oh okay, okay, I get it now, because then you know there's plot right there, like you know, and sometimes and sometimes Stephen King could be very heavy-handed, and right. then I can I said, like, oh I can see, I can understand now how to write a book. You know, so Stephen King was much more helpful than uh, you know reading uh, Tolstoy. <laughs> so that's when it kind of I was like, okay, maybe I'll write uh, you know spec- speculative fiction. but at first I was like science fiction. It's like I, I, I thought I, I needed to know a lot about science to write science fiction. So, yeah. and I wasn't really into science. But then it turns out you don't you don't need to know
0: anything. <laughs> you need to be able to make it up. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. So and I was good at that. So I mean, I mean, I'm not writing hard science. I've I've heard people say, um, you know, hard science fiction writers, like, oh, I do the math to figure this stuff out. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm I'm, you know, you know, I was like an English, you know, major and stuff too at one point. And it was like, no, I don't, you know, I'm not into math. Uh that was the one thing, you know, I really didn't want to uh, have to deal with. Uh so Yeah, then I figured, like, once I started writing, and and I think most of the short stories that I ended up publishing was science fiction. But but you kind of just need need a science fiction idea. You know, like Planet of the Apes, that was the science fiction, you didn't need to, you know, it's just like, the idea is like, you know, dude travels into, you know, the future and then the planet is taken over by apes, you know, so you didn't have to really get into like the science of, of how that happened. So, yeah. And then fantasy, I, I, I was I was kind of against writing fantasy, too. Because, like, in the 80s, fantasy was different. Or at least what I I knew about it. It was just, you just had, like, Tolkien. And then everyone was just rip, trying to rip off Tolkien. So, the 80s, it was just, like, uh, Terry Brooks and, like, Ari Salvatore and Piers Anthony. And I didn't like that kind of, like, flowery, like, purple prose. I, I wasn't really into that. So, I was like, oh, I don't really want write, to write, write fantasy, either. But then I started reading later on Neil Gaiman, and I was like, "Oh my God, this is fantasy too!" And I was like, "It's like it's, you know, this is like really cool." So that's when when I th- thinking after like reading um, like American Gods, I was like, "Oh, okay, I was this is awesome." And and then read Alan Moore, who was even more awesome. Uh, I was like, "Okay, this is I can write fan. Well, I can't. I don't know if I can write it as good as them, but this is cool. I would like to write fantasy like this." And and then cetera, reading a lot of Stephen King. Uh, So then, then, then I got it, you know, I, I kind of dumped uh, Dostoevsky. (laughs) 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 I still am a big fan of Shakespeare.
0: It's interesting that like you, you worked through all of that. You were trying to find your place, but you couldn't really find it. But yet it was still ingrained in your mind that you were going to be a writer. It's interesting that it was it was so sort of even from an early age, it was ingrained in your mind, even though you couldn't find your place within all the others. Yeah. It was just there.
1: Yeah, because I, I was always obsessed with TV from from, you know, books and TV and movies, you know, since I can remember. So I always wanted I always knew I wanted to do something uh, creative and I wanted to, you know, you know, work there. Um, TV and movies, just seemed like just too out of reach. Um, and the thing is, I didn't write, you know, as a kid and, or in high school, I really always try to avoid writing. Um, I didn't really start writing until I got into college. I was like, you know, I, I always loved learning, but I hated school. Um, <laughs> I used to, you know, actually in high school, I never actually wrote an, uh, an original essay. I, any time I had an assignment, I would, that is before Wikipedia, <laughs> I, I we had we had, uh, we had, um, encyclopedias. So I would just go through the encyclopedia and I would copy from the encyclopedia and I would just try, I would just change the words. Uh, and I got away with it. Um, so I, I was always like, even, even though, uh, again, I love books and I love reading. Usually in English class, I did not read the assigned books. I would read the back of the book, you know, or I would maybe try to watch the movie, uh, i think now things be a lot easier now because i could just google it <laughs> but again it, it, see in english class I, I i guess i was so i was i was a, i was an okay reader just a writer um just naturally but in english in english classes, you can bullshit your way through a lot of it which you can't do uh in science or in math you know so i i did bullshit my way a lot through english classes in high school but then when i was going to college uh you really you couldn't do that as well. And um, and when I was going to college, I had to take assessment test, you know, uh, and uh, I failed the assessment, the writing assessment test. And that really embarrassed me. And because I was I was going at that point, I had already said this is what I want to do. I want to be a writer. And then I, and then I failed the, the writing <laughs> test. And then I was put in a remedial English class uh, going into college. So I was like, OK, I, I got to get to work. So then, like the summer before I went to college, I started getting books on grammar and punctuation. So all of those years of them teaching me grammar and punctuation in school were totally lost on me. I didn't, I didn't know how to where to put a, a period or a comma. Well, I know I put put a, a period. Like I, I, really didn't know where to put comments and stuff like that. So all those years were, were kind of meaningless. And then when I got, uh, you know, embarrassed by, by by failing the test, then I went to the library and I was you know uh reading up on like and then i learned in like like in a month so that, that, that even learning is like you know if you're not motivated you don't care mm. you're, just, you're not gonna learn but then when i had to then it was like okay and then i went through remedial english class real fast and then they didn't put me in like advanced placement uh and, you know but but i was always you know i'm gen x so i'm a slacker and i was very much like like you know the typical gen xer so uh it was always like, oh, James has potential, but you know, he doesn't apply himself. <laughs> so now I'm making up for that, you know, because being a writer is really like having homework, like like every night. You know, you always got like, you know, some assignment and you gotta, you know, you know, do your writing and, and even when I'm doing like all the promotions, like I get the email interviews and I gotta answer all the questions. So so now I'm kind of I'm doing all the, all the all the homework now that I dive into. You know, in the back in
0: the day. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating because like, like even the, the way you mentioned it, you talked about it earlier, you, you left, you know, you left until the last minute doing the Kickstarter, you left until the last minute doing oh, this. It it's like you, until you have that moment and then you really engage yourself, you're like, okay, that can wait for the minute. But then once it's to the point of I need to do it, like you're there, you're done, you're everything is on it
1: yeah yeah i mean i'm still doing that <laughs> to some degree uh but yeah i mean I, I always did that it was always like you know um not study for the test and then that night before you know well i would just what i would do uh with school especially i think grade school uh, maybe into high school too i would just i would just memorize the notes then the night before so i would just memorize the notes like word for word and then uh i would take the test and then forget everything uh. I learned <laughs> so but when I applied myself I did pretty well and that's that's actually uh, how I got into Shakespeare was that um uh, my junior year in high school uh I started doing really bad um I used to just take like uh mini vacations from school I would just like not go and at one point I just didn't go to school for like two weeks just for the hell of it um and then I came back to school I, I wrote a note Saying that um, that a family member had died, and I had to go to Florida. <laughs> I'd never even been to Florida, and none of the teachers questioned it until one teacher got me and was like, "Oh, where did you go in Florida?" And I was like, "Oh, bah." And then I just like, "Took like the I was like Tallahassee." <laughs> what was how was the house? and he was just asking all these questions. I was like, "Oh no," but I ended up getting away with it. But I didn't, you know, I, I failed some classes um, junior year. I failed, um, I failed gym class because I didn't go. <laughs> so my last term, I had to pass every class or I wasn't going to graduate. So they ended up giving me two gym classes. I, they took away my lunch, and I had gym class during lunch. Uh, I had an like independent study. Um, and if I, so I had to pass everything or I wouldn't graduate. And uh, so an English class I knew how to, like, you know, I all my classes, I knew how to just, like, kind of, like, buckle down and, and, and pass everything and do really well. So, English class, they gave us two books Uh, in the beginning of the, of the term. And it was Brave New World by Aldous Huxley and Hamlet. And they gave us the books on a Friday. And then by Sunday, I finished both, of them, which is unusual to me because I, I usually don't read the book. And then I found out on Monday that those were the only two books we were ever going to read. In that class, and we were going to read them in class every day. So now I just read both books because I, I thought they were great. But now we had a, I had a struggle through the whole semester. We were reading like maybe like two or three pages a day, where they're going down like the rows, like each each kid had to read like a paragraph. And I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna have to get through it. So I used to then take other novels into class and read those, <laughs> as they were reading *Hamlet* and uh, Brave New World*. But that was when I was like, I read Hamlet like, a, like, like, like in a night. And I was like, this is amazing. So that really kind of, and, and that again, because I was kind of forced to, to do well in school. Then all of a sudden, you know, I, I started taking reading really seriously at that time. And then I started reading like, you know, all the classics and stuff. And, uh, but then I really, you know, began to love it. And uh, so, I, I mean, I guess I was kind of forced into it, but, but, but that's how it happened.
0: What do you think was it about those the that story in particular that sort of really gripped you?
1: I think with Hamlet, I think one, I think it's got like so many great lines in Hamlet. Like I was saying before, I think it was like, um, like, like I'm a Gen Xer, and I think Hamlet is a is is a lot like a, a Gen Xer. He's very uh, he's he's sarcastic. He's he's a procrastinator. He's a slacker. You know. Um, uh, I guess he's like it, it, it. You know, it kind of remind of like. Um, Reality bites. It was kind of like like he's 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 I guess he's old enough. He's kind of like I think he just finished with school and he doesn't kind of know what he wants to do. And he's got like all these like like adults like uh like hounding him and he and he's gotta kill uh you know uh, the king go to revenge his father and, and it, but he he can't really kind of make up his mind what to do. So I think it was very kind of like a gen X story, and I think I kind of related with that. And I, I think in the nineties, I think there was a an Ethan Hawke uh version of of Hamlet. there was kind of like a Gen X uh, Hamlet. I think he might have done it around the time uh, he did uh, Reality Bites or something. So I, I think I kind of related with uh, with Hamlet uh, a bit there. And I love like, the scene uh, with him and Rosencrantz and Gildenstern. I think there was just so many great lines in that. And then you had the movie um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead, which came out, well, it came out a few years later. I think I was like in 90s. But that was such a great movie. Um, with Tim Roth and uh, Gary, um, Gary Oldman, uh, where they're playing those, these two minor characters in uh, from Hamlet. Um, and they're kind of like, you know, um, Hamlet's going on in like the background. Sometimes they'll walk in and out of scenes. And then sometimes we'll get an actual scene for Hamlet, but we'll, we, we see what happens to these two minor characters and i was fascinated by that i was thought that that was amazing and that was kind of also one of the reasons i did like shakespeare at least I was like that that's really cool and i would like to do something like that with shakespeare um because that I, I I was like one of the like the most amazing things I ever saw and i was like oh and you know that's i was written by tom stoppard who also wrote shakespeare in love he also wrote like uh well, he kind of like doctored and was like the ghost right on some on like, in, like indiana jones i think indiana jones three or something so he's like a really amazing playwright and uh i, I read the play too but brother henry Gilson was really uh, influential on me and so that's like some like something like that is like oh man I, that was one of the things like i will, i wish i had done something like that. uh again tom Stoppard's like you know genius level but i'm saying like just the idea i was like oh that would be something i would love to do so when I see stuff like that, like I, I try to like, you know, oh, I want to do something like that. I want to do something like, uh, like you know, Flash Gordon or something. So.
0: Well, I think that, that brings us around sort of perfectly in a nice circle. So to sort of tie it into the Kickstarter and what you're trying to do with Unleashed, uh, for people that are sort of looking at the Kickstarter, looking at the product, thinking, uh, maybe should I give it a try? Should I not give it a try? What would you say to people to say, like, give these things a go? They can do this to your life.
1: Well, like I was saying about, like, with Shakespeare, I didn't go into that when when I was in high school, you know, but any uh, idea that I would be so into it. So sometimes you, um, sometimes you're forced into it, sometimes you stumble upon something and you you don't know if you're going to like it or not, and then it does sometimes uh, change your life, you know? So, like, I read Hamlet, and that was kind of like, well, it was really the the two books. It was it was Brave New World too, and uh, which is act, you know, brave. The the title comes from Shakespeare too. That's come from the Tempest. Um, so you don't know what what's gonna like 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 hit you. You don't know what's gonna inspire you. And so I, you know, I always try to keep an open mind to things, especially with art. You know, even if it's something I don't like, let's say I don't like country music, I'll still listen to it to check it out and to see if there's anything there. And if you, I think if you keep an open mind, I think you can find that you, there are a lot of things that you end up liking, things that inspire you, things that least make you think. Uh, so I, I never, I always keep an open mind with uh, with art. And uh, so I, I was always, you know, I started out as a geek who was just reading Choose Your Own Adventure. And then I'm starting to read, you know, John Paul Sartre and this stuff. So to me, it was just like, there was a highbrow and lowbrow. It didn't really matter. I would read, you know, Mad Magazine, and then I would read, uh, you know, like a Star Wars novel, and it didn't matter to me. So, uh, you know, I think with the Shakespeare Unleashed too, it's like, uh, as Jonathan Mayberry said, it was like, you could call it a bizarre. So I think that's <laughs> good. Uh, Cause I don't I, 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 you know, trying to do something different. And I think this is pretty different. And I said, I do have a, a passion for books. so. It is going to be a beautiful book with a lot of really uh, amazing artwork, and it's going to have bizarre stories in there. Uh, it's probably stories you probably even haven't you know <laughs> thought uh, possible. Uh, you know, so we're going to have crazy stories in there about you know um, we got we, in the comic we got zombie Romeo and Juliet, and we have uh, crazy uh, you know like like sequels to like the Merchant of Venice, and uh, and a lot of stuff I haven't even seen yet, but uh, on what you know, the writers are telling me they, they're thinking of writing. I can't wait to, to read it. <laughs> and I can't wait to hold the book in my hand because, the, you know, people, when they got Classic Monsters Unleashed, people were really impressed by it. That book became much bigger than I intended. It was only supposed to be like a 300-page book. It ended up becoming a 450-page book. Really heavy book with, with tons of art, and it looks great. So, I mean, these books are really about the, the print editions. So, if you're, like, Well, I don't really want to get into Shakespeare because of the language and all that stuff. Well, then you can, you know, maybe this would be a good uh, like like entryway into Shakespeare because then, you know, they're written by contemporary writers and we won't have, um, you know, all of the. It'll be more understandable and it certainly would be more. uh, I don't. Well, well, now I'm saying that we're going to be better than Shakespeare, but it might. But but for a modern person, this this might be a, a cool way of of experiencing Shakespeare without having to actually read the books.
0: find James on Instagram at James underscore Acralone and Twitter at James Acralone. You can find more information on his work at his website, jamesacralone.com Don't forget to look for Shakespeare Unleashed on Kickstarter The window closes on July 21st and there are loads of different levels and perks to choose from If you'd like to submit your own work for consideration, head to monstrousbooks.com all links will be available in the show notes as always thank you for listening you can contact the show at era of geek on social media or head to superdummy.co.uk slash geek if you like the show please do leave a review and tell your friends you can also leave a review on podchaser.com